Thank you, Pastor Silver. Open your Bible tonight, please, to the book of Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. While you're turning there, I found the letter from the Tinksons, Gary Tinkson. And he writes, Dear Pastor White and Grace Baptist Church, we are thrilled to be partnering with you in getting the gospel to the lost people of Australia. We had a great time being with you all virtually and hope to meet you all in person one day. If I can help you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact me. We love you and pray that the Lord will continue to bless you all. Your servant in Christ, Gary Tinkson, missionary to Australia. And so that's pretty good. Also, I want to wish a uh, happy anniversary to Fred and Epi Tilma. If you're watching, today's your big day. I hope you really had a great time. I mean, real part, really party, party it up. Go to Tim Hortons or McDonald's and really enjoy. And so God bless you, dear folks. We love you so much and we remember you in our prayers. We do. Boy, it's going to be wonderful when uh, the COVID thing is behind us and we can get back to what we used to have hmm? when the church family would meet together. Boy, I sure miss seeing all of the church family together. This uh, coming Sunday is our 21st church birthday. And we have some footage from the 20th birthday a year ago. And I'm telling you, the place was packed. I don't know if you remember, but the place was packed. And we didn't have to worry at all about COVID. No one had to wear any kind of mask or keep social distancing. We were just right together. And we had lots of food. We had tents set up outside with tables there's crowds of people and up and down the hallway and in the different rooms, people were fellowshipping and eating and so on. It was just a really great uh, celebration. So um, this year is a little different and it's uh, going to be three separate services. Each service will be the same and we have to do things very COVID-19 uh, wise with uh, that in mind, all the restrictions, but it's still going to be the best we can do. And I think you're going to like it. Well, Revelation chapter 21. Last week, we began to take a look at what the Bible says is going to come after the 1000 year reign of Jesus Christ on earth. And what is that called? What, what, what's it called? There's two words. We stick them together. The what? The millennial kingdom, the millennial kingdom, a thousand year reign of the Lord Jesus Christ on earth. And the Bible says that there's other things going to be happening after that. After that, time becomes no more. We enter into the eternal state. And it's in the eternal state that we will see the new heaven and the new earth. And that's what we looked at last week, the new heaven and new earth. But God isn't finished yet because in the new heaven and the new earth, he is going to create the new Jerusalem. And he's going to bring that down uh, out of heaven to earth. Now, this amazing city is given far more description than the new heaven and the new earth or even the millennial kingdom. Isn't that interesting? Far more description is given to this uh, new Jerusalem. And it suggests, to me at least, it suggests that this is something God wants us to know a little more about. Remember, there wasn't many Bible verses on the thousand year reign of Christ, just a few verses. So there's not too much there, I suppose, and especially the new heaven and new earth. But this new Jerusalem, 
we're given much more description. And so I think God wants us to know about it. So we'll have a word of prayer. And then we're going to get into chapter 21, starting at verse 9. And God willing, we're going to finish this chapter tonight. Isn't that something? So let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you so very much that you have prepared things in advance. And nothing takes you by surprise, including this COVID-19 world that we live in. It's affected everything. It's affected the, the borders of countries and economies and, of course, health. And it's affected a lot of people emotionally. Seems like there's new waves of sin sweeping the world. A lot of fear and uncertainty. Heavenly Father, through it all, help us to let our light shine so that lost folks can see the, the joy of Jesus within us and the peace of heaven. And help us to be able to point the way to lost folk and let them see Jesus in us. Now, please bless this study tonight. Help us to uh, learn things that will get us excited about what a great, big, wonderful God that we serve. And so please bless in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. All righty. Well, chapter 21 and beginning verses uh, 9 and 10, we're going to be introduced now to the New Jerusalem. Let's take a look at it, shall we? And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem descending down out of heaven from God. Now we'll pause there. John is taken by an angel uh, up to a great high mountain. Someone says, well, what, what mountain might that be? And someone says, maybe it's Mount Ararat. Well, maybe it's uh, Mount Everest. Well, the truth is we don't know. And the main reason we don't know is because at this point we have a new earth, a new heaven and a new earth. And remember, there's no more oceans. Over 70% of the world is covered with sea. And it's all gone. It's all landmass now. Very likely, the mountains that we know today, you know how many mountains there are in the world? Would you say there's over a thousand mountains in the world? How many would say over a thousand? Raise your hand. Over a thousand. Hmm? How about 10,000 mountains? Would there be more than 10,000 mountains? Yeah. All right. That's a lot of mountains, isn't it? How about a hundred thousand mountains? You think there's more than 100,000 mountains? 500,000 mountains. Anyone? 500,000 mountains. A million mountains. A million mountains. There is over a million mountains in the world. How about that? Over a million mountains. I had to count them. I didn't, I didn't know, and I had to count. I'm just kidding you. But I looked it up. There's over a million uh, mountains that are called mountains. Some are bigger, some are little, but they call them mountains. Over a million of them in the world. And quite likely, they're going to be gone. They could all be gone. But there's going to be a high mountain. Now, I think that because of the size and the uh, glory and the, just the hugeness of the new Jerusalem that we're going to see tonight. Uh, by the way, do you guys have that, uh, the PowerPoint? All right, just when I'm ready for it, okay? I'll call upon you. Oh, does the clicker work? 
My clicker works tonight? All right, folks, we have the power. We have the power here. Huh? I just said it right there. So this uh, New Jerusalem is so big. You say, how big? I'm not going to tell you yet, but it is so big. You think that building on 104 is big. Some of you walk through that, it kind of takes your breath away. Well, wait till you see the New Jerusalem. That building, we're going to see that uh, tonight. Maybe I'll show you a picture of it. How about that? That'll be, that'll be worth coming to church for and seeing that. So John had to be carried up into this great high, high mountain in order, I think, to see, you know, the, the immensity, to see it all. So um, we come to an interesting question. Well, just exactly what is this New Jerusalem? Because here it's called the bride and there it's called, you know, the holy city, Jerusalem. Well, which is it? You know, is it people? Is it a building? Back in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 27 to 32, the saved people of the church age are said to be the bride of Christ. But interestingly, the bride is also the new city of Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? It is both. Some people say, well, how can that possibly be? Well, remember also that we are talking about a whole new dimension in the uh, new heaven and the new earth, a whole new way of living and thinking. So keep that in mind. But I mean, it's not impossible. Some say, well, is the bride not composed of all the saved people uh, in the church age, at least anyhow? And the answer is yes, it is. And some say, well, is, is this new Jerusalem not a literal city? And the answer is yes, it is a literal city. They say, well, how can this be? Both are true. Both are true. Um, together, it will be like the wife in the home. All right. Maybe that helps to clear it up a little bit. The city and its inhabitants are sort of like one. Now, I can give you an example of that. The Coca-Cola company. To many people, uh, Coca-Cola represents a company that produces an edible product. They think of Coca-Cola, well, they usually think of the bottled drink. That's what they think of. But to the 62,000 employees who work for Coca-Cola, and many of them for many years and many of them for many decades, when you say Coca-Cola, they don't think of the drink. They think of the company and they call it home. That's where they work. Wow, that's home. That's where I work. Now, if I were to say to you, um, that Coca-Cola is a wealthy company, chances are you'd be thinking about the $32 billion it did in gross sales last year. But if I said to you, Coca-Cola is a wicked company, you wouldn't think of the money. You'd think of the people that are running the company. You see? We could say uh, Surrey, and we could mean the, the physical landmass, or we could mean the people of Surrey. We could say Surrey is a wicked city. Well, we're not talking about the houses and buildings. We're talking about the people. And we could say, I live in Surrey. Now we're talking about the houses and the, the, the buildings, aren't we? But you see how the bride and New Jerusalem are really one. They're really one. 
So that's interesting in itself right there. But let's explore the awesome beauty of the new Jerusalem. Now, verse 11, what I'm going to do folks is I'm going to break this portion up and I'm going to jump around because the reason is because um, the narrative is given a little here, a little there on different subjects. And so what I'm trying to do is put the subjects together and take the verses from this passage and put them all together. So I'm going to be giving you a verse and a verse and a verse, but they all kind of deal with a similar subject or theme. And then we move on to the next subject or theme. And so all the verses I'm going to give you, they're all there, but the order of them isn't going to be one after the other. So you'll have to jump down to, you know, a verse or jump over to a verse, but I'll tell you which one. Okay. So let's start here in verse 11. It says, uh, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone, most precious, even like a Jasper stone, clear as crystal and had a wall great and high. And so um, we're beginning now to, to see something about the new Jerusalem. Uh, It talks about it um, having God as its glory and the light in there was like unto a stone most precious. That would suggest how the light reflects off a precious stone, such as a diamond or a ruby, perhaps. And how when you, you know, you go into a jeweler. Have you ever done this? Gone into a jewelry store to look at diamonds or something? And the, uh, the jeweler pulls out this black velvet thing, and all these lights are all above. And then you look at these things, and boy, do they ever sparkle and reflect the light. It's really something. Years ago, I had never done this before, but years ago, I, uh, I took my wife's uh, engagement ring. It's got a diamond in there. And I got a, uh, tele- not a telescope, not a, mag- a, mag- mag- a microscope. There, I, there's the technical word for it. <laughs> the microscope, yes. I put it under the microscope and I could see the surface of the, the diamond and a little bit of dust on it. But then as I adjusted the focus, I started to see down into the depth of the diamond. And I tell you, this whole new world came up out of the, uh, the, the microscope lens. It was amazing. It's like standing at a pool. And you look at the pool and you say, well, it's about three feet deep. But when you jump in, it's like six or eight feet. It's very deceptive. There's a lot more down there than what meets the eye. And it's like that with a diamond. And so you can look at the surface of the diamond, but then as you start to change the focus, you can look down deeper into the diamond and there's a whole world down there, folks. Well, diamonds are cut in such a way as to reflect light. That's why they look so beautiful and sparkly. So I'm just sort of assuming that this is something of what we have here, that the light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a Jasper stone. We're going to take a look at some of these stones in just a little while but it says clear as crystal. Now, Jasper isn't clear as crystal. It's not. Uh, the ones I'm going to show you anyhow are not, but this here apparently is. And there's a big wall. Now let's take a look at this wall. This new Jerusalem will have a wall all around it. Look down at verse 17. And he measured the wall thereof and 140 and four cubits, according to the measure of a man that is of the angel. Now, just to cut to the chase, that's approximately 210 feet tall. This wall is not 210 feet long, 
because you're, you're going to see that the new Jerusalem is quite a bit bigger. There's no reason for the wall to be 210 feet thick. But I think that the reason is for it to be 210 feet tall. That's a pretty tall wall, if you ask me. Well, you look at verse 18, at least the first part, it says, and the building of the wall of it was as Jasper. There's that Jasper again. And so this wall is made of Jasper. Uh, Now it's quite likely that this Jasper was like the other Jasper clear as crystal. Well, let's take a walk around the wall, shall we? And we find that the wall around new Jerusalem will have 12 gates in it. How big are the gates? Your guess is as good as mine. But listen, when you see the size of the new Jerusalem, you may want to rethink the size of your gates. You might think, oh, let's have gates maybe a hundred feet long and and a hundred feet high. Well, hang on to that thought because we're going to take a look at the city uh, that it encompasses. Now look at verses 12 and 13. It says here, and had 12 gates and at the gates, 12 angels and the names written thereon, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. So you remember what they are. There's Reuben and Simeon and Judah. You remember all those 12 tribes. And so each gate has one of the names of the tribes written over there. So that's interesting. Then it goes on and it says on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, and on the west three gates. And so that tells you that the wall is square. North, south, east, and west. And each side of the wall has three gates in it. So far, so good. Now, verse 21a, the first part of verse 21, and the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Every several gate was of one pearl. Now, these are big pearls. For a gate to be carved out of a pearl, you know, that's got to be a pretty big pearl. I imagine that the oyster is even bigger. However, these, this is just silly speculation, but the gate is made of pearl. By the way, there you have the pearly gates. You've ever heard that about heaven and the pearly gates? Remember that? That's where it comes from right there. Now, according to Ezekiel chapter 48 and verses 30 to 35, the city of Jerusalem during the thousand year reign of Jesus Christ, which is called the what? The Say a little louder for me, please. I'm going deaf. A little louder. Millennial kingdom. Thank you. The millennial kingdom. Millennium means what? Thousand, right. During this thousand year reign, this millennial reign of Jesus Christ, according to Ezekiel chapter 48, uh, the temple there will have 12 gates in it. Isn't that something? So obviously I think what God is wanting to do is to show his love for Israel. Because for all time and eternity, because we're past time now, we're into the eternal state. The New Jerusalem's walls all around it, the walls are going to have gates with the names of the 12 tribes. So forever and ever and ever, those names are there. It just seems that God is is honoring. A lot of people today think that Israel is passe. Unfortunately, a lot of Christian people have made a mistake. Their theology is wrong and they have replaced 
Israel with the church. And they say that Israel's out. And now all of the promises that Israel had uh, belong to the church. This is called replacement theology. And it's wrong because God has not cast off Israel. Israel is still the apple of God's eye. Right now, it's kind of sitting on the back burner. But any day soon, boy, it's going to be on the front burner. The church is going to be taken out of the world. And the focus is going to be right there on Israel. All of the evangelists are going to be Jewish men. 144,000 of them coming in the tribulation to help win others to Christ. And so we come now to uh, this city of Jerusalem and apparently it has foundations. Imagine that it has foundations. Look at verse 14, please. It says, and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and in them, the names of the 12 apostles of the lamb. Now, do you know any of those names? What's one of them? Peter. What's another one? I heard about four names all at the same time. It got, yeah, John and James. Yeah. Paul is in there somewhere. There's 12 of them. Anyhow, not Judas. You're not going to put Judas in there, right? He, he lost everything. Um, 12 foundations. Now we have a picture. I think, do we have the picture of the 12? Oh, wait a minute. I've got it here. Don't I? There. All right. Now this is an artist's conception here. But they put the walls here. There's the city, the walls, and they stack the foundations one on top of the other. There is room here for speculation, folks, because some really good Bible expositors sort of have a different, you know, variation. One very good Bible expositor, whom I have a lot of his books, and he's a great man of God. He's in heaven now for a good number of years. And he sort of thought that the new Jerusalem uh, is going to be like a pyramid. That was his thought on it. It said, he said that it made sense to him. Uh, he's the only one I know of that has that pyramid idea. Everyone else seems to have more of a cube shape, you know, in their mind, but that's okay. There's room for a little bit of, uh, you know, we're not going to split churches over it. Are the foundations stacked or are they, you know, side by side, three under each wall, three over times four is 12 foundations. Is it by side by side or is it stacked? Uh, boy, if, if it's going to be stacked, I'm leaving this church. Well, we don't do silly things like that. What if, what if we're all wrong? What if God has a new dimension in which these foundations are, are going to be used. A couple of commentators I read said that the reason, the reason there's 12 foundations is because the new Jerusalem is so big and so heavy that it's going to require 12 foundations. And personally, I think that's a joke because we're, we're going into a, a whole new era. This city is going to float down from heaven to earth. What do you need foundations for. I think God did it to honor the apostles. Those brave men who lived really often the most miserable lives. They were persecuted. We know very little of persecution. Those men, it's like they were born 
for persecution. And they drank it up like water, but they served God in such a great dynamic way. And God is honoring them. Now, you and I, we will never be apostles. And by the way, anyone who calls himself an apostle is a fraud. Either he uh, is self-deluded or he's just a liar, but he's wrong. That's the bottom line. Is He or she that calls himself an apostle is wrong. The, the church is built on the apostles and the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And that's what we're taught in Ephesians. I think God is just honoring the apostles here, but there's no more apostles and there's no more prophets. So these modern prophets and modern apostles, don't give them the time of day. Don't listen to them. Don't watch them. Don't subscribe to them because these people are kooks. And there are lots and lots of kooks today. We need just to understand that God wrote us the Bible the way he wants us to understand it. And the Bible says there's no more of these apostles and prophets. There's 12 of them. And each one is going to have a foundation named after them. Okay. So um, these foundations, what in the world might they be made of? Now we get that in verses 19 and 20. Let's look at it, please. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was Jasper, the second Sapphire, the third uh, uh, Chalcedony, the fourth Emerald, the fifth Sardonyx, the sixth Sardius, the seventh Chrysolite, the eighth Beryl, the ninth Topaz, the tenth Chrysosporas, boy, that's a word I don't use very often, is it? Chrysoprasus, Chrysoprasus, you guess it, You, you figure it out. The 11th, Jacinth, and the 12th, the Amethyst. Now, uh, I think the reason why God chose these is because of their dazzling beauty. Now, I have a picture here to show you. And there we go. This shows you what the current emerald precious stones look like. Now, up here is a jasper. That's only one type of jasper. Uh, Jasper is called an opaque meaning that it, it doesn't really let the light through. Uh, there's, there's some dimness there. It's not see-through by any means, but it comes in different colors, brown, red, uh, yellow, for example. Uh, but that's jasper. There's sapphire. Now, these different ones, these are as we understand them. Oh, here's that funny one again, chrysopressus. Looks like two grapes, doesn't it? Well, some of you are trying to say it, are you? Uh, You figure it out and tell me later. Anyhow, these are the stones that we are familiar with here on earth. But as we've already pointed out, uh, in the new heaven and new earth, Jasper, for example, the Jasper that God is going to use is clear as crystal. Then you might say, well, why didn't he just use crystal? Well, you're going to have to ask God. There's something about the Jasper stone that is a uh, beauty and it's, um, it's, 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 it's a precious uh, stone here. And God used them, I think for the glory, the dazzling beauty that it's going to give to his city. And that's important. This is something I think that we need to, to think of and take, 
take in mind here is that this new Jerusalem that God is going to make and bring down to earth is so gorgeous and so beautiful. And I just want to say this, whatever we do for the Lord, let's do the best we can. I think that God is going to put some of his best, finest creative work into the new Jerusalem. And when we do something for the Lord, let's not do some half hearted little job. Let's do our best for the Lord. Shall we? There's a trend today to be sloppy, be sloppy. That's a trend today to dress down a lot of the young people and a lot of adults too. You see them, they, they walk around with their, their shirt untucked. These guys at school and so on. And it's a popular trend. Their shirt is, is, is hanging out. You see the kids do that. A lot of them, they, uh, they wear their pants like almost down to their knees. I mean, it's disgusting. The seat of the pants is so it, it, it's almost down to the, to the, to their back of their knees or something. And that's a trend today is to be very sloppy. Well, when we're going to live for the Lord, we need to, to do better than that. And we need to, to live the best we can. And any work that we do for the Lord, if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. And that's why here at the church, when we, we put up things, we try to make sure everything is straight and neat and clean. Listen, it's not gilded with gold and silver and, you know, emeralds and things. We don't have any stained glass, but what we do have, we try and keep it neat and clean and in good repair. We try and do the best we can. So this is just a, a thought here that God is putting so much gorgeous and, and beauty into the new Jerusalem that we too should take a note, eh? a word to the wise. Now, I want you to notice what the new Jerusalem will be made of. We've looked at the, uh, the walls and the foundations and so on, the gates. Now look at the verse 18, uh, the last part of verse 18. It says, and the city was pure gold. Now look at this, like unto clear glass. I've never seen gold like that. Not too often do we ever see pure 24 karat gold. Normally the gold we see is mixed. And the reason is because gold, it, it, it can be dented and scratched. It's a very pliable, it's very, very heavy. It's the densest, heaviest metal, but it's, it's very soft. If you had a ring made of 24 karat gold, it would bend, you know, out of shape. And so they add other uh, metals to it. And men, when they have like, for example, a, a wedding band, they'll, they'll have like 10 karat gold. And the rest will be different materials because they figure men, you know, bang things around fixing cars and building houses. And, you know, it, it can take more punishment for ladies. They figure, well, they're not going to be busting their knuckles working on a transmission underneath a car. So they make their rings out of maybe like 18 karat gold. But uh, 24 karat, I, I can't remember if I've ever seen, you know, face to face with 24 karat. But this here is so pure that it's apparently it's like glass. And look at verse 21 B, the second half of verse 21. And the street of the city was pure gold as it were transparent glass. Now down here, men worship gold up there. They walk on it, right? There's you, you have it right there. The street of the city was pure gold. So new Jerusalem and its street Sounds like there's only one street. Maybe it'll be a windy street. I don't know. 
but they're made of gold, gold so pure that it's like a glass. Now, I want you to observe the size, the size of this actual city of New Jerusalem. I told you it was big. Look at verse 15, 15 to 17. Watch. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof and the city lieth four square. Now four square means a cube. Four sides are all the same. So you get a cube and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with the reed 12,000 furlongs. The length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. That's how you get a cube. Now, this other commentator I was telling you about, whom I dearly love, uh, he wrote that he, he thought it made more sense to be like a pyramid. I sure wish he was still alive today. You know, I'd like to ask him, what do you mean by that? How do you come up with that? But it seems four square is a actual square and the height is the same as the width, as the width and the depth and breadth and so on. And so it really seems like a cube. Now this 12,000 furlong here, what in the world is that? 12,000 furlongs equals about 1,500 miles, 1,500 miles. Now it's 1,500 miles wide and 1,500 miles deep. And it's 1,500 miles high. Now, I'll tell you, 1,500 times 1,500 is well over 2 million. And it's approaching the size of the United States of America. That's how big a building we're talking. Now, is that big? Yes? That's big. That's big. And there's a wall that goes all around it. And that's bigger than any wall Donald Trump has ever thought of. This wall, 210 feet tall and 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles and another 1,500 miles and another 1,500 miles. And folks, this is just the ground floor of the New Jerusalem. This is just the ground floor because it goes up another 1,500 miles. The amount of square footage in this building is you can't calculate it. You don't have a calculator big enough for this one. Or if someone does, they're hiding it. Ah, well, that building on 104 is about 280,000 square feet. <laughs> that might be the size of one of the gates, maybe, possibly. Personally, I think the gates are going to be bigger. You know, what, what would be a big gate in your mind? Well, you put three gates within 1,500 miles, and what would that be approximately 500 miles between gates? Is that, is that right or wrong? Something like that. Anyhow, you, I think you're, you're going to have big gates, I think. And each one is going to be made of a pearl. Man, I'd love to see the oyster. Wow. Well, here is probably the very best part of the new Jerusalem now. And it's in verse 22. It says, and I saw no temple therein for the Lord God almighty and the lamb are the temple of it. You know, there's going to be no more need for any representation. We don't need the temple. Don't need the golden candlestick. 
don't need the Ark of the Covenant. We don't need any of that because God Almighty himself is going to be right there. You see, at this point, you know, to Earth's history, we don't have God on Earth like this. So we have had in the past the temple, Solomon's temple, the tabernacle. We have had those. There's coming another temple, whether the Lord himself inhabits it, I kind of don't think so. And then there's the millennial kingdom and the temple there. Uh, There's a temple up in heaven. But at this point, with a new heaven and a new earth and the new Jerusalem coming down, there's no need for any temple in heaven. That's gone. There's no need for any temple anywhere on earth. There is the new Jerusalem and there's God in it and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, some other wonders about this new Jerusalem in verse 23. This is amazing. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it. And the lamb is the light thereof. Oh, how can that be? There's going to be no more sun, no more moon. Well, do you remember in Genesis chapter one, verse three, and God said, let there be light. How many remember that? Put up your hand. You remember that. Come on, show me that. Play with the game with me here. Okay. Thank you. All right. The actual sun in the sky wasn't invented until the fourth day. When God said, let there be light. That was the first day. And then God did his creative accent on day four. That's when he invented the sun. So what in the world was that light on day one? Here it is here. The true light is God. That's why the Bible says God is light. The sun is a representation. It's an artificial light to the true light, which is God himself, because God is light. There's no more need for that. No more need whatsoever. The sun up in the sky is like a scaffolding, if you will. And when the time comes, God's going to get rid of the scaffolding. And we've got him. The main, the main attraction. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Now look at verses 24 to 20, 26. It says, and the nations of them, which are saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. That means into the new Jerusalem and the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day for there shall be no night there and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Now, who are these people? Well, these are simply the people, the nations and the kings of their saved people who came out of the millennial kingdom. Remember when Satan is let loose, he's going to find a whole bunch of unsaved. And they're going to come and try and attack uh, the holy city, Jerusalem, the current Jerusalem with Jesus in it. And God will bring fire from heaven and destroy them. But then there's going to be millions of other people that, you know, are saved that want nothing to do with attacking the Lord Jesus. And these will be made up of, of the non-Jewish. And so here we have the nations and their kings and they will be just escorted right into the new heaven and new earth. And so there you have them. And then finally, number, this is actually number 10 in the list I'm giving you, but final perfection. 
And we come now to verse 27. And there shall in no wise enter into it. There, look at that. This is an artist's representation of what he thinks the New Jerusalem will be like. Can you imagine 1,500 miles this way? 1,500 miles this way. And here's the wall all around. So these gates here, and you can see they've sort of put a pearl in there. These gates, six of which you can see, these things have got to be, I don't know, what would you say, 100 miles long? Something like that. But here it is, this gorgeous, unbelievable New Jerusalem coming down from heaven. Maybe this is the big mountain in the new earth, new heaven and new earth. And maybe John is standing up here somewhere uh, watching it. (laughs) We don't know for sure, but it's fun to speculate. But here's final perfection. There shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. The only ones ever, ever, ever that's going to get into uh, the new Jerusalem. Well, in fact, the new heaven and new earth is just saved people, saved born again people who've repented of their sins and trusted in Jesus Christ to save them. You know, folks, this is a happy day. We'll never have to contend with sin ever, ever, ever again. Even in the millennial kingdom, there's going to be sin every once in a while. But that's all done with now. We are in the eternal state, the new heaven, the new earth. We have new Jerusalem now. Boy, oh boy. I kind of think we're going to have mansions in that new Jerusalem. There's certainly going to be enough room physically. Something the size of the United States, you know, depth and breadth, and then upright as well. There's got to be a lot of floors in there. I wonder how many elevators. Hmm? We won't need them, will we? We'll fly. We will transport just like how Jesus transported. And we're there. It's going to be glory, glory. When we get our mansions, I'm going to make sure that Mrs. White and I have adjoining mansions for all eternity. I, I want to spend the rest of my eternity next to her. And if she wants me. She does have a choice in the matter. I guess I should consult with her, I suppose. (laughs) I'll chase her wherever she goes in that that, uh, New Jerusalem. I'm going to run after her. Anyhow, that's what I say now. Maybe the Lord will just make sure we'll be together anyhow. But I want you to know this. We serve a big God. Isn't that right? You get an eye full of this here. We serve a glorious God. God thinks big. And I believe that he wants us to do likewise, because that's why he says in the Psalms, I, I, I am the God that, uh, that brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. One of our biggest problems is we don't ask big enough. And then our next biggest problem is we quit asking too soon before the answer comes. We serve a great, big, wonderful God. And we teach that to the children. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. But here, us adults, we don't believe half of it. We serve a God who wants to do exceeding, abundantly, above all you could ever ask or think. You think you've got a big imagination? (laughs) You and I, we haven't seen anything yet. 
We are just little earthworms in comparison to the vastness of Almighty God and what He can do. This same God who loved us from eternity past. Our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Folks, let's live for the Lord. It was Hudson Taylor, that great missionary Hudson Taylor, who said these words. Ask, how do you put it there? Uh, Ask great things of God. That's what he said. Ask great things of God and attempt great things for God. Ask great things and attempt great things. Now we're asking God to allow us to reach the city of Surrey, 600,000 people. That's a great thing. At least it is in our heads. So we're going to ask and attempt to reach that city. So keep that in mind when you go to prayer. The next time you go to prayer, remember the God you're praying to is exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think. And you've got the opportunity to go in and ask and it shall be given unto you. Well, the new Jerusalem, I hope that encourages someone here tonight. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord, not on this world. Amen. Let's pray now. Dear loving father, we look forward to a wonderful eternity. What a joy to know that these things are real and they will happen. And, and we're going to be part of it. Lord, help us always to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Help us always, like it says in Corinthians, uh, to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Help us not to forget verses like that and to come boldly to the throne of grace. Lord, we love you and we expect that when we get on our knees, that you'll meet us there. And so, Father, let us live for you in these dark days. Let us let the light shine so lost people have an opportunity to be saved. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.